Hey, before we get started today, I just wanted to say that if you've ever wondered how you could support the podcast or any of the other things that I do directly, we now have a Patreon page for Middleman Records. The address, of course, is patreon.com slash middlemanrecords. Thank you so much to everyone who's already become a patron. Welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Singularity by Graying off their new album, A Harp Lie, featuring my friend Jason Wolpert on bass. While Jason usually considers himself a drummer, as you can tell, it's great to have Jason anywhere on stage. Born in Portland, Oregon in 1993. Uh, we didn't stay there for very long. We moved to Springfield about a year later, which is two hours south of Portland by Eugene, and uh, lived there for most of my childhood. I'm the youngest of three kids. I have an older sister and an older brother, um, both my parents in the house as well. Um, and then we moved to Spokane, Washington when I was 13. and lived there ever since, aside from a brief stint after high school where I lived on a farm outside of Davenport, Washington, about an hour away from Spokane. Yeah, actually, um, I actually been meaning to ask you about the that farm, because I remember, you know, when we were on tour, you were telling a lot of stories about that farm, and I thought that was really interesting. So, like, how did, um, what was... How did you find yourself in that situation? Was that was it like a camp, or how did you, you know, go to like live on that farm for that year or whatever? Mm -hmm. So this was shortly after I graduated high school. Uh, I had a friend that lived on this farm, and uh, it's sort of like a commune um, where the all of the land that it's on is in. I don't know if it's in some kind of trust, but they have some kind of like 100-year legal thing with it uh, that was established in the 60s. And uh, and so there's, there's a commune of people that live on it, and they do organic gardening, organic farming on a couple of acres, um, sell at farmer's markets in Spokane, and that's how they uh, make their livelihood. Um, so they get people to come in for the um, just the season um, so from like April through October to help on the farm um, some people just come in on their days off like on weekends or 
uh, whatever days they have, and, and some people go and live there for the season. I was one of the people that lived there full-time for that season uh, from the beginning of May 2011 until the end of October. And um, I bought a tent for $30, and uh, I, I set it up uh, in the middle of the woods and uh, and lived there for better part of a year. It was, it was awesome, actually. Uh, got to know the people that, that lived there and, and learn. Uh, you know, just kind of a different way of life than being in the city. And it was really calm and, and peaceful most of the time. I mean, it's it was so quiet all the time that I, I just found myself falling asleep a lot. <laughs> I, I feel like I was just so tired, like, moving out of the city. And then just, like, most of my day, I, I would work, like, uh, long hours. And then when it got too hot, I would kind of just, like, retreat to my camp and, and listen to tapes and watch the wildlife pass by and, um, yeah, it was just a really nice time. I uh, learned a lot about, um, you know, obviously farming, but also about my own health because, you know, living in a tent, I didn't have running water. I didn't have electricity. So I didn't have an alarm clock. I, I would fall asleep uh, just naturally when the sun went down and I, I would wake up when the sun rose and I uh, was kind of just like in, in rhythm with nature. And it was uh, it was a really nice time. Uh, the other nice thing was that uh, any produce that wasn't sold or wasn't able to be sold, like we just took for free. So I was just eating free organic produce most of the time. So yeah, it was um, it was a really nice time, and I'm really glad that I was able to do that. Yeah. How did you find out about it? Is it just like ads, or or you said you knew somebody? Yeah, one of my friends was living there at the time. Them and their partner. Um, their partner had met someone that lived there when they were in college. And kind of got connected that way. Okay. And, uh, and my friend uh, was also someone that I played in bands with at the time. Oh. And they were, uh, so they moved out to the farm and then they, they knew that I was looking for something like that. And so they, they told me that there was a spot open and, and had me come and meet everyone and get involved. Yeah. Because when you were telling the story on tour, you know, you uh, you were just telling it from like different, you're just telling it from like really different spots in like, Number one in the tour, you would just like bring up one part of that or whatever, and so n nobody really got like, or at least I never got a really clear picture of what was going on. And I was like, I this, I'm pretty sure this isn't a cult, but it kind of <laughs> sounds like a cult, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I was always interested in that, and then and so like, uh, you know, once you're telling all these stories about uh you know, do, doing harvests and stuff like that. And now you know why I'm constantly texting you, um, what the fuck is wrong with my pumpkins and shit like that. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> cause, cause we had all those conversations. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, going back to, you, you know, your, uh, your childhood and stuff. Um, you said both your parents were there, um, when you're growing up, what did your parents do for a living? Uh, they've both been longtime healthcare professionals. Uh, my dad, he's retired now, but uh, was an administrator at a nursing home for a long time. Um, and so I don't know if he got transferred from Portland to Springfield or if it was a different company that he took a job with. I think it was a transfer, but um, so he, he went down and, and was um, kind of like running a nursing home in Springfield. Uh, and then my mom worked at the same place. Um, she was an occupational therapist for a long time um, and then kind of took on some other various roles towards the end of her career as well um, and then uh, ended up returning from the same place. And uh, and so it was, 
um, another transfer to uh, Spokane to kind of a bigger facility uh, that they started working at here. And uh, and that was actually where I got my first job as well. Oh, really? What were you doing there when you first started? Um, there was a seasonal thing where medical records needed to be filed, and uh, it was kind of a, a regulation thing, and they needed someone to kind of do it part-time, so it was sort of a summer job. Um, and then that turned into uh, there was a position open in one of the kitchens, so I started washing dishes there as well. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I did that for most of the time I was there. I did, like, real... I did like real quick um, for my like my dad's wife. Uh, I did like fi- filing for like a legal office, and that was like I fucking hated that. I don't know why. Oh, really? <laughs> like I don't I don't know why. Like I I was just like what uh, what is this? But I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it, it was it was so like it was so much stuff. It was. Like, I remember just, like, they just kept bringing in these file boxes full of papers, and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um... That's that's funny. I had, like, the opposite experience with it. I mean, I was kind of sitting in a room filing things and listening to records, and was like, wow, I'm, I'm getting paid. This is great. Yeah, I think it was because I wasn't put, like... I think I was, if I remember correctly, it was just, like, Oh yeah, you got like three days to do this or whatever, and I was like, "What?" You know, I'm looking at all this oh, stuff, okay. and and uh, I think it ended up being totally fine. Like it wasn't like a big rusher, but it's just like when you're looking at all this and you're not really, you don't have a, you don't have a metric for how long any of these particular things is going to take you yet. So it's just like daunting or something. But um, for sure, yeah, and especially like when you're young and you just don't have like much to reference off of. of- you know, what, how to handle those kinds of situations can yeah. be kind of jarring. Yeah. Um, what kind of um, what kind of music did your parents listen to at home? Uh, my dad's a, a big blues guy, uh, so there was, at any given moment uh, in our house, there was always, you know, like Allman Brothers or ZZ Top, one of those bands playing uh, throughout the house, as well as like a lot of 60s psych. Um, like you introduced me when I was really young to clean the doors, um, Credence and, you know, all of those bands. So that's most of what was playing in the house. Um, I didn't get introduced too much specifically for my mom, aside from like Enya and like Paul Simon. Um, I think my wife walked down the aisle to a, a Paul Simon song. So shouts out. Um, thanks Paul. And then, uh, <laughs> my older brother, um, He's six years older than me, so uh, he was kind of, like, at the ripe age to be getting into, like, new metal and, like, mainstream rap. And uh, and so that kind of started filtering in. So it was like we'd be listening to Grateful Dead one moment and then, like, Ice Cube the next. So uh, pretty pretty big variance of things going on. Yeah. What um, When did you start getting into, like, punk music or, like, you know, like, uh, more more of the stuff that still... still uh that you play now? Yeah. Um, well, probably my first like brief introduction to it would have been like probably seeing Blink-182 or something on MTV. And so I was kind of like acutely aware of this thing that was out there. Um, but it wasn't until 
I was like 12 years old. I heard like Bad Religion and uh, and the Balancing Souls um, and Jawbreaker and bands like that. And that's kind of uh, when I started getting introduced to, uh, I guess, like an actual introduction into the genre of, uh, you know, instead of hearing just kind of like pop songs on TV, it was like hearing, you know, political anthems and, and beats. That was kind of my first introduction. Uh, and then... From there, like I kept exploring, and uh, and thankfully the the internet was uh, graduating to a time where uh, MediaFire, Mega Upload, and Rapid Share had everything, so I could yeah. I could kind of access things a lot easier, and um, like got into like Discord Records and like Crass Records, uh, pretty much anything those labels put out, I would I would you know try to track down, and uh, and then getting into like a lot of Southern California stuff. Um, Black Flag being pretty much the only like classic band of that era, but like a lot of power violence, like um, like crossed out with like all of those bands. Um, it was like early teens is when I started actually getting into all of that. Yeah, was there a cool record store by your house anywhere that you used to go to, or it was just um, like purely online? Well, I don't remember really going to any record stores in Springfield, but we had a lot of family in Portland. Uh, my mom has a, a big Catholic family, and they pretty much all live in Portland. And uh, and there's good record stores there that uh, me and my dad would go to. And so I would find some cool stuff there. Like I, I bought my first Crass CDs at uh, like Everyday Music in Portland and uh, like found a, a lot of things that I wouldn't uh, have expected to have found elsewhere. Uh, you know, just kind of like hear, hearing a name somewhere in the ether and then finding it, you know, in this store for $3 or something and, you know, just try and check different things out. Yeah. The last time we were in Portland, we were in a shop and it was like CDs a dollar each or 15 for $10. And so that's why like probably like any given time when you, if you, if we're on tour in one of my actual vehicles, uh, you can look through and see like really weird CDs, but like, uh -huh. you know, good CDs, but weird, you know, like weird, like you'll see like Sheryl Crow and, and like <laughs> live and, uh, you know, um, Primus, you know, or something. Right. But, uh, yeah. Um, that's, I forgot. I didn't know you had Primus in there. What Primus do you have in your car? <clears throat> Oh, the Assailing the Seas. Oh, tight. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's, that band was, like, really big for me. Um, I, I heard them on Tony Hawk 1, mm -hmm. and uh, and then my brother, like, Napstered some Primus songs, and I was like, this is the best band in the world, and they were, like, my favorite band for a long time. The first show I ever went to, actually, was Les Claypool and the Frog Brigade after uh, Purple Onion came out, hmm. and... Uh, and then I think the third show I ever went to was Primus, and they um, did that reunion in 2005, and uh, they came to Eugene, and their second set was playing Sailing to See the Cheese from front to back, so that was pretty tight. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, I've I've grown out of that band entirely. Like, I don't listen to them at all anymore, and when I try to, I just, like, don't enjoy it, like, not even for, like, a nostalgic thing or anything. It's which is really weird because I, I was obsessed with them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, when I mean, t to be honest, you know, that CD, like, I... And this is coming from someone who's... Um, you know, uh, we re recently released a 10-year, 150-song discography of Screamo songs. 
But it's like I listen to Sailing Seas of Cheese, and with with the exception of a few songs, I'm like these songs all sound the same. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like they just sound the same. I don't know. Um, so like, take that as with a grain of salt, or just like, you know, anybody can like roast me online for that opinion. But I was just like, yeah, that's coming from someone who's written 150 screamo songs for one band. Uh, I yeah, I just I was just like, obviously, you know. Um, there are the few tracks that stand out that are like really like I still was like, damn, this is fucking good, you know. Then the rest I was mm-hmm. just like, I remembered this as a whole. I remembered it being much more, just. I remembered it being much more like solid across the board than I feel like it it was. But you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they were never my favorite, like you're saying. Like I have friends that that really uh, did were super into them as well. But um, what I was going to ask when you said that you were super into them was, were you playing drums already when you, like, heard them? Yeah, that was... Okay. I so probably that... found out about Primus about, like, the same <laughs> exact time that I started playing drums. And, yeah, Tim Alexander, like, was and still is, like, a huge oh, yeah. influence on, like, my entire style. I feel like a lot of what I do, I kind of, <laughs> like, cherry-picked from him. Yeah, I mean, like, because that, that's just... That's just the logical jump in my mind when you're like, oh, gosh, I was I was obsessed with them. It's like, yeah, they're all ridiculously great at their instruments, you know? Like, yeah. it's they were the band that, like, you know, people in drum corps, you know, drum line, uh, and people uh, in school band, and, you know, like, they were the band that, that people that... Um, they got, they got a lot of, honestly they got a lot of like um music nerds into like a more alternative and like you know punk sounding stuff you know cuz they were mm-hmm. so good at what they did and what they were doing was like super weird and original you know so mm-hmm. you know um you know uh thank thanks primus um but uh you know <laughs> I I, I, st- I, st- I stand by what i said but uh yeah um so yeah, that, I can I can definitely see that. What's really funny to me about that band is that uh, the guitarist Larry, before he was in Primus, he was in Possessed, and they were the band that wrote the song Death Metal. They kind of coined the term, so he just you know as a teenager just kind of silently invented this genre and then moved on to, to being in Primus for the rest of his life. Did not know that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, this this is a real learning moment brought to you by Everything Remade. Uh, <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> you know, take a breath and enjoy that moment um yeah so you were already playing drums uh by that point um when did you start playing an instrument and were drums your first instrument or did you start playing something else first yeah drums has always been my main interest in life like even as young as i can remember uh all i really cared about was drums and uh i think i was like eight years old uh, I decided to build a drum set, sort of, in my bedroom. Um, I had a couple of those uh, empty Christmas popcorn tins. I had a oh, shoebox yeah. that I filled up with chain. I used that as a snare drum. Um, and then, like, some uh, some plastic, like, disposable plastic containers that, like, some food had come in from the grocery store. Uh, and there was, like, just various mismatched drumsticks in my house, and, uh, and I just kind of bang on those as long as I could. Um, 
until my dad found a uh, pretty cheap, uh, very you know basic beginner level drum set on Craigslist, or not even on Craigslist. This was before Craigslist. It was in the classifieds in the newspaper. Uh, you know, back 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 in the fifties. Yeah, the fifties. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more about this. Um, no, it's, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, because, because you, you know, you brought up Craigslist, and you know, but and then you know, you had to like rethink that, of course. But like, and then you're like, yeah, the classifieds, and then it's like, and I didn't start playing drums until like, uh, I mean, I've been, I've, I really didn't start playing drums until you know, 2010, but I've had a drum set since, um, like 1998, you know? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I was just thinking about like, even by like 1998, like when I got a drum set, um, just the, the price of used gear and like the ex accessibility of it was so much better than like when you hear people uh talk about how they had to get their drum kits like one piece at a time because mm -hmm. like and and it's like it's like if you tried to get a drum kit like one piece at a time now that just wouldn't make any sense because like i've i my like my nice drum kit costs like 250 dollars like just yeah. period you know and like and i remember when <clears throat> like my the 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 first drum kit that i had i got i got for 180 bucks and it like included all kinds of hardware and all this shit but anyway like i remember someone moshed on the the, the bass drum at a show and like snapped the leg off that's why the legs on that kit that you play on tour with us is like all <laughs> fucking weird and stuff it's two different oh, okay. legs yeah yeah so i remember just trying to replace just that bass drum or just like just to just get a bass drum you know it was like 200 bucks one one drum yeah like, what the f you know like this makes no sense you know and that's how i ended up just getting that other whole kit for like you know 250 or whatever um because <clears throat> i was like this doesn't make sense like I, just to replace one drum you know, and I might as well just like screw some more holes in this and fix it and give it to one of my kids, you know, or whatever, or, or do what yeah. we did and, and just be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to let this happen to another kid. I'll just, you know, we'll just keep <laughs> grinding this one into the ground. Um, but yeah, it's really wild. Like, you know, when you just like, we, you know, you hear stories and it's like, yeah, well, first I got the snare drum, you know, then I got like a floor tom and then, you know, and it's like now. You just, you know, go on Craigslist, $90 for a, a Pearl Rock, you know, or a, a Tama Rockstar or something, you know? Yeah, and it's, like, it's definitely a buyer's market for for drum gear these yeah. days. I mean, everybody wants to be a DJ now, so finding that stuff cheap is pretty easy. Except cymbals. Fuck cymbals till the end of time. They'll never be cheap. It sucks. Right. And if yeah. you see one that's cheap, you can't, you can't believe it because you're like... I'm going to buy that and it's going to crack three days from now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's like, there's, there's no way yeah. it's so hard to buy symbols used like yeah. with, with any kind of conscience. Cause you're like, I'm not going to get what I'm paying for here. There's no way I'm just going to end up spending more money on used symbols than if I just bought something new. Yeah. 
three three days from now, I'm gonna actually I'm not I'm gonna make not even gonna make it to the car. It's gonna crack on the way. <laughs> as soon as I hand the money over, you hear this noise, ting, and it just splits right in front of you. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, do you still have your first kit? Do you still have those uh, plastic uh, lunch containers and uh, and your <laughs> your shoe box full of change or? Uh... Um. <laughs> You know, I sometimes I kick myself for it because of how good it sounded, but but uh, <laughs> unfortunately that went in the trash. Yeah, you. Oh, you trashed it. I thought you had to sell it. You needed, you know, you needed the money. Um. Well, well, I I, I did sign the the, the change uh, snare and uh, you know sold that. Oh, you got you, you know, got I'm, the change out of it first. I hope. Um, change went with it. Oh, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, that was part of the cost. Um, yeah, it's cost of doing business. start you know playing and you're just like obsessed with drums you you finally you know your dad hooks it up out of the classifieds and you're playing like how did you what did you just get behind the kit and just start just like okay i'm just gonna do this or were you taking lessons most of it was uh was just me going for it i did have a teacher um my dad, when he realized how how into my uh, my boxes and hitting them I was, he he took me to Guitar Center and like let me play around on a real drum set just to kind of see what was going on. And uh, the guy that was uh, that was working in the drum section at that time um, talked to my dad and, and turns out he taught lessons on the side. So I picked up a little bit from him. He played in a cover band in Eugene, and and so he he kind of introduced me to uh, just kind of basics on different styles and he was the one that first showed me like rudiments and uh, and like you know how to properly hold a stick and and things like that and uh, i was like well this is boring and you know i i did that as as much as i was supposed to but um most of my learning i would just listen to a record all day like i would i would listen to a, a primus record all day or uh, like i was really into like system of a down at the time as well i would listen to that all day and, and then just like go to my drum set and try and play it as best i could and uh, I, I don't know, just, just wouldn't give up on that. And um, I was in band in middle school and part of high school, so I picked up um, like some basic music theory, you know, how to count, uh, how to read music, and things like that. And um, you know, got some more like structural background on that kind of thing. Uh, but for the most part, um, all of my learning over the years has just been uh, listening to records and, and kind of uh, like digesting the different styles that people have and, and trying to uh, replicate those on my own kit. Yeah, yeah. Were you, um, you said you'd listen to the song and then play, so you weren't like with the headphones on and trying to and trying to play along with the record? Not yet. Yeah. Um, when I was really young, I kind of hadn't really 
put that all together yet and also didn't have headphones that would accommodate that kind of thing. Yeah, you can't be I remember, like, setting up my boombox next to my drum set and, and, like, trying to play along to an Oysterhead song, uh, which is another Les Claypool band, and, uh, and like, yeah, I, I can't do this. Oh, no way. Um, but then at some point, I did get, like, um, better headphones that, you know, go over your ears and, and cover them so you can kind of hear both. And um, that was... Like, when we moved to Spokane when I was 13, that's when I really started doing that, was, uh, like, listening to a record and playing along to it at the same time. And that's when things, like, really... I felt like I really started kind of advancing in learning different techniques was when I started doing that. Um, So I I just got more in-depth with um, playing things more accurately to what was actually going on on the record. And, um, you know, I, I, of course, add my own style to it and kind of play it my own way, but I also like to learn it you know, the way that it was actually played originally, just so I could take myself out of my comfort zone more. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I was just, I was just, like, you know, going through that that Nine Inch Nail song a little bit, and I was like, this is, like, exactly... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, well... Uh, spoilers for Grave Neighbors 4. Uh, <laughs> Coma Regalia is covering a Nine Inch Nails song. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, this is like exactly, this is like exactly the drum track. I was like, wow. And so <laughs> I was like, shit, you know, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder to like, um, you know, I mean, to to think to think that I could manufacture the rest of the sounds in whatever, um, in such a precise manager, uh, uh, sorry, such a precise manner is like, is ludicrous to me. So I, I, (laughs) I usually just like, I just like, when it comes to stuff, I'm like, I'm just going to throw everything I got at this and see what happens. And, you know, so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's coming out all right so far, but uh, yeah, for sure. I I totally feel you with that. Like, I like when bands cover songs, but they do it in a way that it doesn't sound like a cover. It kind of just sounds like one of their own songs. And I figured that everything that was going to go on top of this would kind of play into that. To where, um, you know, if, if you put it next to you know a, a more like mid-tempoed Coma Regalia song, or, or you know another one of uh, you know your songs, that it would sound kind of similar at the end so I, I figured that i would do the drums like pretty true to the original yeah. um to as like a, a way to flavor it yeah um which is kind of counterintuitive to what i would normally do like normally i would i would do my own fills i would i would add you know my own my own kick drum fills and things like that but i figured i was like i'm just gonna play it the same way dave Grohl played it and then sean sean's gonna do sean and it's gonna sound sick oh did dave Grohl play on that one yeah. Oh, that's uh, wild. On that record in particular. Um, oh, okay. Trent said that he always told his drummers to play it like Dave Grohl would play it. So when he went and did with Teeth, uh, the record that that song is on, uh-huh. he was like, I'll just have Dave Grohl do it. Oh, that's wild. I didn't know that. But yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. It's. I think there's like, there's there's one part in the song that, that will be remarkably true to the original. And then it's like, the rest is kind of like what you described. So I think it's, I think it's turning out pretty well. Uh, that's, Check. you know, um, so people will be able to decide for themselves soon enough. Um, but anyway, so you're playing drums, uh, you know, by yourself and you're, you know, taking, 
you know, you're getting a little like hints from uh, the person your dad knew. Um, were you already just like, was the goal to be in a in a band, or was just the goal to be as good as the drummer from Primus? Um, a little of both. <laughs> a little of I both. mean, because I, I never, it never crossed my mind as a kid playing my drums that I wouldn't someday be playing in a band. I I, I, I hadn't thought like much past that, like what playing in the band would look like, other than just playing music with other people. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was kind of both because I was like, I want to be in a band, and I want to be in a band that I would like as much as I like Primus right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I always just kind of figured that being in a band was going to happen at some point once I got good enough. And like when I first started playing, I was like, Oh no, like, what if, what if I'm, I'm going to join a band tomorrow and I, I can't, I can't play the beat yet. Like this is, this is bad. I gotta, I gotta figure this out quick. Yeah. Did you think that there was, did you think that there was going to be just something that someone showed you and, and it was just not, you just weren't going to be able to figure it out. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like that I, specific I thought someone would like play a riff, and I'd have to be like, "Oh shoot!" Like I, I, I need a couple of measures before I can start the beat because I gotta, I gotta start with my foot for a little bit before I can get my hands in, or you know, I, I can't start the whole beat at the same time, or it's not gonna work. Yeah, like I, I just wasn't able to like, like put all of it together yet. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I was pretty young. The motor skills weren't there yet. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my my cat is joining the podcast now. Oh, what's up? How are you doing? <clears throat> I miss seeing pictures of you every day. Uh, I'm talking to the cat now, by the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll skip ahead like a, a lot more than I, I guess I usually do. Um, but um, because just because, you know, there's other stuff I want to chat about later. And obviously, uh you know, we know each other like pretty well. So it's like easy for us to just like chat about everything. Um, so what was the first band that you, um, played in skipping ahead to once you're playing in bands, what was the first band that you played in where you, um, were writing your own songs and doing recordings and playing shows and stuff? Um, the first band, the first real band that actually, like put out a record and like play shows was when I moved to Spokane. Uh, it was called dead reckoning and, um, not a grateful dead reference, uh, though I wish it was. Um, we, we were kind of just like a a mid two thousands, like deathcore band, um, which was not the original intent. Uh, we were, we were trying to play like Gothenburg metal, like dark tranquility and like in, in flames, like that kind of thing. But, uh, we were pretty young, so it didn't work very well. So, um, like we, we kind of realized that like, just like playing breakdowns was easier. And, um, so yeah, we, uh, we've recorded, um, at somebody's house in Spokane. Um, this guy, Joe, that was doing recordings at the time and, and kind of like played our first shows just like with local bands. Um, it didn't last very long. But I think we played like 13 shows in a year and a half, and that was like end of middle school and, and into the first year of high school. Yeah. But was that like everything that you thought it was going to be? Like when you're just like playing in your garage and you're like, oh, I can't wait to play in a band and like play for people, like, you know, put on a show and, and whatnot. Like once you started playing shows, were you, was it just like as good as you thought it was going to be or? 
Um, I mean, it it should have been, but it <laughs> kind of was um, pretty like nerve wracking and kind of embarrassing at the same time. Uh, being a, a pretty introverted kid that, that didn't really talk to anybody besides my bandmates, um, playing in front of people, I was uh, just like really nervous for the first couple of years of doing it um, before I kind of like got into my own skin and uh, felt more comfortable doing it. And uh, there was also, I mean, we were, we were pretty young um, and there, there was kind of a, a rift in the band because I was like, we're we're not that good. Like okay. like we would play our set, and then I'd like watch the other bands we were playing with, and be like, oh, there's like there's a pretty clear gap here. Like we're we're not very good, and um, understandably so. The other members weren't weren't too stoked about that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, that's just not very nice. But um, yeah, I was I was like I'm I'm getting closer to where I want to be, but I know I need to you know keep keep working on it. I was. And I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people will like, you know, listen to their own record and be like, oh, I, you know, kind of nitpick at it. And that's really what my attitude was at that time. I was like, this, this could be a lot better. And I, I could be playing a lot better music, but, uh, you know, it, it was a start and it was a start. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, you're in middle school and you're playing shows. I mean, that's, you know, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. at first it was the you know the excitement of it was like oh my god like it's really gonna happen and then and then it happened and I was like oh I I, I wish I'd not messed that Just up too too self conscious about it yeah yeah I think so yeah um <clears throat> so like so you just like kind of like played played in bands like different bands like throughout high school and stuff and then like um how 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 many bands like do you think you played in before you like what <clears throat> where's where's bad hex at on your like you know on your your family tree for like cuz mm-hmm. i mean i'm assuming you still think that you know bad hex is pretty good you went on tours you, without a you'd think so <laughs> you'd think so uh-oh <laughs> yeah. um, but it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah. Was that the first time you played guitar in a band? That was, yeah. Okay. So um, be- before that, everything was drums. And, like, I moved on. Um, like, after that band broke up, I played in another band for a very short period of time and then um, started playing in a couple of punk bands. Um, I-, I joined this band that had already been around for a while called The Lot Lizards. That was just, like, really fast skate punk. Um, and then I started a band uh, called Lobster Jaw, uh, which was with somebody that I worked with and then a couple of other people. Um, and those bands, uh, the, the Spokane punk scene was at a, a pretty cool spot at the time. Um, a punk venue had just opened up, and, uh, and so I you know, got to um, get immersed in that scene more and, and find out about more bands and um, you know, get more involved uh, and also you know, get into you know, anarchist politics and, and everything that you know, a young punk does. Um, and those bands were really fun to play in and um, actually had some, like, uh, local success in the scene. Like, it, it wasn't uncommon for, on a Tuesday night, 100 people would show up to a show that Lobster Jaw was playing and, like, sing along and, like, stage dive and, like, you know, there'd be blood in the pit at the end of the shows. And it was just, like, a pretty wild time for a young teenager. Um, but, uh, yeah, after after all of that was when I started Bad Hex. That was, like, at the end of high school. And I've been slowly teaching myself guitar over a few years. Um, I never t- 
took any guitar lessons and I only know one scale, but I knew that I, I wanted to do something different and I was a lot more interested in, in like emo and like emotive hardcore at the time. Um, but I didn't really know anyone else that wanted to do that or anyone else in Spokane that really wanted to tour a lot because most Spokane bands don't. Um, so that's, that's when I was like, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just do this myself and, and record all the instruments and then, you know, grab whoever is available for this summer to go on tour and all that. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time you did like a, a proper tour and stuff, right? When we met? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that like? No, that, that one wasn't, that was like the last Bad Hex tour. The first one was wow. actually when I was, when I was living on a farm, I got contacted by a band from the Midwest um, that was looking for a show in Spokane. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I can, I can set you up. I can, you know, put on this house show for you. Um, would it be cool if my band played your other Northwest dates? And, uh, they were super nice about it. And, um, I, I helped book some of the other shows that we played. Yeah, we played five shows with that band. Um, so that was, that was my first time. It wasn't my first time playing out of town, but it was my first time like playing like a, a string of shows in a row out of town. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that, that was, that was pretty exciting to, to go and do. Like that was, that was another like, um, uh, moment of, of being a cross between like, Oh, I'm, I'm finally doing it. Like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm on tour. I have a, I have a tape for sale. I yeah. made these shirts, but then also at the same time, I mean like, Oh, like my guitar does not sound that good. It's like, we, we don't sound that tight. Like this could be so much better. You have a hard time finding silver linings, don't you? <laughs> well, like I said, it was a good learning experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, life is a good learning experience, and then you're dead. Right. <laughs> you know, let's try to get let's try to get a little bit more enjoyment out of it while we're <laughs> not just chalk everything up to. Well, I learned from that, didn't I? <laughs> 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 uh, but no, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely one thousand percent just as guilty as. As, of that as as uh anyone else you know i just you just find me on a on a good day right now uh, but, <laughs> well but, and we uh, haven't gotten to the good records yet so yeah well i mean i think what was it the other day i i i text you a picture of the loaf of bread that i burnt the top of and i'm like that that's it i'm it's all it's all fucking over you know, know. <laughs> that's it i'm on i'm crashing now that's it uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so you, you know, yeah, you, you were doing like your first, you know, your first tour and that's, that's obviously like that, that feels good. And, um, yeah, but, uh, the tour that we met on, you were out for a while, right? That was the longest tour I've ever been on. Um, was it yeah, like a that month? Was, that was, it was 35 days <laughs> and I think we played like 30 like 28 or 30 shows during that time. Wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah. That was, that was a doozy. Did you, uh, what did you take away from that? What was your biggest like learning moment from that tour? Um, that's a good question. Um, well, thank you. That I, sh- I, I don't know. I, I really, um, came out of it being like, I, I can't keep doing all of this myself. Like between like, writing, recording, releasing a record, you know, dubbing tapes, making sure it's all by myself, like booking this tour all by myself. Like it, it was worth it. And I'm really glad that I did it, but that tour ate up 
six months of my life where I would, I was working two jobs at the time, like 50, 60 hours a week. And I would just come home and, and like cold call, uh, any, anyone that I could find in these places that we were trying to play that I didn't know anybody or didn't have any like, uh, mutual friends to get connected with. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was really stressful at the time. Um, and I, yeah, I just kind of came out the other side being like, that was sick. And, you know, when you, when you meet the right people and, um, you know, talk to the right folks in, in the right towns, you can play really cool shows and, and meet really cool people. And like a lot of my really good friends I actually met on that tour and the tour before that specifically. And like, that's how I met you. Yeah. I uh, was just, you know, randomly messaging the Coma Regalia Facebook page. You know, actually, that's probably the biggest thing that I came out of it with um, was that I remember messaging uh, the Coma Regalia page, which, you know, had like 2,000 likes or something. And I, I figured a band with that many likes wasn't going to give me this today. And, um, and then I, I was just really excited that you would respond pretty quickly. And you were like, yeah, I, I can set you up a show and like, it'll be at this place. And, and, you know, I can help you with this and this. And, and then I was like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. And then after that, you were like, is there anywhere else that you need help with? And I was like, oh my God this person's great. I'm so glad I messaged them. And, um, so I don't know. I just kind of had this idea that some like punk bands were going to be like too, too big and like too cool and too relevant to, to bother with me. And that really wasn't the case. Um, like, especially like me and you was like, okay, like it's, it's not like that. You know, people, people are nice. People are willing to be helpful regardless of, you know, how, how, uh, arbitrary my band was in the, you know, the greater world punk at the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I've i always thought, you know, like, if you if you can be like that, then, yeah, you, you just should, you know? I mean, um, yeah. of course, of course, then earlier tonight, I, you know, I will, I'll post something online, like, I just accepted a bunch of friends' requests, don't ask me to put out your band, but, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just because every time every time I do that, it's it's like immediately. <clears throat> um, I I I wish I could put out every single one of your bands. That would be fantastic. But <laughs> alas, I am but one person.
after that, you, you, you uh, Bad Hex did another recording, right? But then that was kind of, you, you were in um, Deforme? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, that, that was happening at the same time. Yeah. And then, like, you, you're in, like, a couple bands now, but, like, you know, those bands don't really tour and, um, mm -hmm. nobody tours now. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all grounded, but, um, but yeah, we, um, so we came out and you put us up in Spokane. We did a show out there and we just kind of kept in touch. And then you were just like posting online or something, just like, just, at, just, just into the ether, you said something to the effect of, I wish somebody would let me play drums in their band or something. And so I messaged you, and I was like, hey, do you uh, want to go on tour in Europe? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so that's how we started playing together. And then, um, yeah. yeah, we did that European tour. Then we did a, a U.S. tour with, uh, with, with uh, Mitchie. Uh, on base Mitchie, with yeah. us. Uh, hi, Mitchie. Uh, love you. And uh, and then we Mitchie, did another Mitchie. European tour, and then we were supposed to go to California this year, but um, <clears throat> maybe uh, maybe we'll still be able to bring Katie over next year. Who knows what that's going to look like? I hope so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, um, uh, fingers crossed. You know, but. Uh, yeah, um, we, um, yeah, we, we've, we've been able to figure out how to make some songs together and stuff, uh, send files. That's been fun. That's, that's a good time. Um, but, um, yeah, you, your one of your other projects, um, Graying, y'all, y'all finally put out your LP. Um, how, now y'all record, y'all recorded that like a while ago, right? The, the um, kind of. Oh, kind of? Well, it was recorded in a bunch of different parts. Um, the oh, drums okay. were recorded uh, back in March, I think. And then I did uh, my bass at home, and then Will did his guitar at his house, and then Alex uh, did his vocals. And then, uh, and then Will, uh, who plays guitar and grain, um, kind of put it all together. And we spent a lot of time setting mixes back and forth. And there's a couple of flavor tracks that got added. Um, and so that took some additional time. Uh, then it was sent to some friends that did additional vocals tracks on it. Um, so all of those things kind of took additional time. And um, we were also, we wanted to have the record out um, by the end of this year so that it's not weird when we put out another one next year. But uh, we were kind of holding off a little bit, um, you know, because nobody knew how long this whole pandemic thing was going to last. Yeah, first. that's why and we wanted to be able to play shows and, and put it out. But, um, yeah. you know, clearly that's not happening. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's out now and, and we're going to do a digital show um, in December to commemorate it. And that'll probably be it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, I didn't ask that the way that I asked that, like, like. Oh, it's taking you forever. I, I see. I, cause I thought that that was the thing in the first place was, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of people were doing that. I mean, it's like what they're doing with like movies right now, 
you know they're trying to mm-hmm. they're trying to bide time and see like what's going on you know and like <clears throat> if someone wants to do that with their album you know no judgment from me um it's just yeah it's it's um that's what i thought that y'all were doing was just like waiting to see what was happening like was there going to be a point where you know because uh, i mean you know when in fucking march you know people were being told oh yeah two months no problem yeah you know? yeah and so we all thought fuck we thought we might still go on tour this year you know we were yeah. like oh i don't know you know should we cancel the tour it's not until august you know it should yeah. be fine by then, right? And it's like yeah, uh, we we thought that was all still happening. <laughs> yeah, we thought it could at least, you know. But um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. The the um, the album's great. People should go listen to it. Uh, it's <laughs> it's um, yeah. I think I said I think I said uh that the bass gave me some real Alice in Chains vibes. I I remember nice. you know um, <clears throat> I remember like you know that that album was like extremely popular with the band the other bands that uh play, um we would play shows with when i was in high school and so oh, ev- really? every every show we would play it, i swear somebody boom 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 you're like oh <laughs> here we go somebody's covering wood again um but That's uh, so funny <laughs> but yeah um what what do you think like is your biggest like did you think when you were uh do you do you 100% just like listen to the guitar and just go for it or do you think about a way that you're going to approach someone like with a particular influence or like as far as bass goes um in terms of songwriting with that band um for that record, at least the one that we just released, um, it would kind of be a mixture between myself and Will um, coming up with parts, and uh, and he kind of does this thing where he'll he'll rewrite his parts to a song like seventeen times before it's done, uh, which I, I really enjoy being a part of. Cause, so like he'll play something and then I'll come up with a baseline to it, and then he'll rewrite his guitar parts like based on what I'm playing. And then I'll kind of like fiddle with it based on what he's playing, and so it's it's kind of like just a a, a moving piece of work until it's finally recorded. I would hate you um, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would be I would be like, oh my god, you two are driving me up a wall. <laughs> like yeah, it was so, it was awesome the first time. Let's go, let's go. No, but yeah, no, that's I mean, cool that there's like a, it's like a, an evolution or something of the part. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, to be fair, like I would agree with you, but like the way that we're doing it works really well for both of us in that once, once it's rewritten 17 times, it's better that time than it was any of the other times. So, um, and like, we don't play very many shows. Um, none of them are, are really interested in touring. They're, they're kind of retired from tour life they played in bands before that, that toured. And, um, so this band is, is mostly a studio project and, you know, occasionally we'll play a show. I think we've played like four or five to date and this is our second LP coming out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it kind of just depends on the song. And then there was a couple that were finished in quarantine. Uh, like the song open air was, uh, just something that will had sent us 
that that he came up with because um, we were you know getting ready to record. He was like, oh, I, I have this other song, and so that was um, just like kind of sending things back and forth like you and I do, mm-hmm. and um, and then the song sync as well was something that we had been working on for a long time and uh, hadn't come up with a finished product. And so he kind of finished this structure for that by himself in in quarantine and then, um, you know, went and got the drums recorded to it. And I came up with my bass parts. And, and um, so that one, that one kind of fell together in a more regular way than the rest of the record. Um, but the third one that we're working on now, uh, I've kind of taken over as more of like the primary songwriting duties because um, we're, we're working on kind of a more bass driven record. Um, and I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm kind of just playing like big, like Jesus lizard helmet riffs. I'm just trying to do that. And, uh, and then he, you know, kind of just comes up with guitar parts on top of that. Um, so it's, it's kind of uh, shifted focus a little bit in a, a different way, just because, you know, we want the next record to sound different than the one that sounds you know, than, or than, different than the one that we just put out. We don't want the whole discography to just run together. I mean, I'm calling it right now. The next one's going to sound like like the new Hum record. That's <laughs> <laughs> because that's all you've been able to talk about. I'm I'm calling it. I, I do like that record. It's a it's a the good first record. riff on Everyone the next string is going to be. No, but uh. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, I I like you know, um, yeah, it's really. I, I like it when bands you know aren't afraid to try like a different approach, you know, to to putting a record together and it, and it's I I I um. You know, I don't know if people think, uh, I don't know what people think about Comerigali records. You know, I don't. I don't know if they like them even, but, um, uh, but like, but like, I think it's kind of weird that, um, I don't talk about it, I guess too much, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been every single record is there's so, there's so much more thought put into it than I ever would really acknowledge. Like, and I think it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, you and I've had little like back and forth about like intent and whatnot when it comes to certain recordings and records and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like once it comes out, I think people are just like the new Coma Regalia, another Screamo record. Cool. Uh, if they think it's cool or if not. But uh, it's weird because it's like that is like the furthest thing from like when I sit down to like do this this very specific thing like making a record uh it's there's so there's like so much like aimed intent and i don't blame anybody for just being like oh yeah it's just another comorgalia record cool um but like you know like with ours is the cosmos noble i really was like this I'm doing this, these specific things, this very specific way, because I'm, I want this to feel very specific and I want this and I want it to look this way because I want it to, I mean, there's a reason that that record is on two, seven inches instead of one LP 
you know, and there's a reason why Inspirata is on one side of one LP when it should have been on both sides because it would have sounded better. Um, I mean, like, it probably sounds fine. If I mean, I did. that was the first time I ever recorded a record myself, so it probably wouldn't have sounded better at 45, to be honest. It probably sounds just fine at 33. But anyway, um, like, it's it's just like when when it all boils down to it, it's just like, Oh yeah, it's cool screamo record or or if you don't like it then it's not a cool screamo record. But um it's weird, you know, it's weird like it's like with the mirror I was like you know, <clears throat> I didn't even write the the songs the same way. Like I wrote the songs like a totally different way. Um mm-hmm. I started with a different thing and <clears throat> um and you know, and then with Mark, you know, we did that in a in a way that that was you know totally different like it was you know we didn't even plan on that being like an lp and i was like wait a minute this is (laughs) this is another angle that you know we could we could um explore here um yeah so i think like writing songs like bass first you know get um, drums first you know that's that's all i used to write songs like lyrics first like wow I can't imagine really? doing that now. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I used to write like the fucking vocal melody just like I used to just write that shit and I used to just be able to sing the song without the you know, um without the guitars and then I would just write wow. the guitars and um yeah, it's really like it's really wild too because like I hate writing lyrics now. <laughs> like I don't, I can't I like wow, I, I wish I could still do shit like that cuz like I I mean, it's not... I know, that's, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah, I mean, like, most of the time, like, especially in Bad X, when I was in charge of that stuff, like, I would be writing lyrics to half of a record the day before I go to record it. Yeah, you you hear that a lot, too. Like, a lot of people, have, uh, you know, that I've chatted with or been in bands with are like, I was writing the lyrics in the studio, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's not... Like, I don't want to... I You know, I say, like, I hate writing lyrics. That's, that's not true. Like, I don't hate writing lyrics. I just don't feel, you know, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You don't, nobody ever writes a song and is like, that was it. Like, that was it. That was everything that I wanted to say in the perfect way that I've ever wanted to say it. Because, like, I said this a billion times before, too. Because if you did that, then you just wouldn't write any more songs. You just be like, that was was it. I'm good. I'm good. Wow. You know? Um, I hang it up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just that I, I've had, a, have had a lot of projects over the past few years and a lot of them I wasn't supposed to do vocals on and I ended up doing vocals because I wanted it, I wanted it to happen. Like, you know, <clears throat> things didn't work out with different people. So I just was like, fuck it, I'll do the vocals. And so it's just been a lot of like when i write when i write a music when i write music and i know i'm going to do the vocals for it then i'm already like halfway there i'm already like imagining how the vocals would go but when i'm writing music just to write music i don't i specifically like it's like i turn off a something in my head so i don't because I've done that before too, where like I write music for somebody else to put vocals on, and then I'm like, they're all wrong. 
(laughs) (laughs) They're all wrong. Why are they doing that? Um, So I just like, there's something that I just turn off now. You know, like when I write Plague Walker songs, just turn it off. And Ani goes for it and she kills it. And I'm like, that's fucking sick. Um, And um, so when it's one of these things where somebody was supposed to do vocals and then it doesn't work out. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm in charge of doing that now. If I want this to, uh, actually be finished, then it's like, I'm, I'm starting, you know, all the way at the beginning again. And, uh, yeah, you know, and I, now you have to turn it back on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at starting from scratch again. And I've got these, I've got this whole other record I have to write lyrics for. And I've already, I've already decided what those songs are about. So what are these songs are about going to be about? They can't be about the same things. And then I'm like, shit, mm-hmm. they're, shit, they're about the same things again, aren't they? <laughs> they're, they're about like fuck work. <laughs> they're about like you know, like uh, <clears throat> I don't know. They're like fuck work. Like anyway, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's, for me, like the difficulty that I always had with writing lyrics is that I never really paid attention to vocals. Like for a long time, all I really cared about in music was just the riffs. I mean, obviously, Primus was one of my favorite bands when I was a kid, like we talked about. And I mean, I oh, yeah. know what those songs are about to this day. But like, it wasn't until I got like a little older and started listening to like hardcore and like getting into hip hop at the same time, where there was actually like someone with something worth saying and worth listening to that like I actually started paying attention to lyrics. So like going to write my own, I'm like, uh, I just want to write these riffs. Like all I care about is these riffs. You mean dog, dog will hunt wasn't like a profound moment for you? Like as a, a, a lyric appreciator. Um, that one kept me up at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember you saying that when I had sent you that, that, uh, one file of of the uh Coma Regalia set that didn't have any vocals on it you were like this is perfect because i never listened to the vocals you know um well that that was different because like if you if you listen to a song to learn it and you you learn like the transitions by the vocals and then you go to play a punk show where nobody can hear the vocals uh, like that's, that's that's just a recipe for disaster so that's very true too. i wanted i wanted to learn it and just like learn it and know it by heart for what i was doing because there was, it was highly likely that you know we were going to fly across the world, and I wasn't going to be able to hear you at all. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want to be the guy that you know, you know, you just picked up at an airport and, and took across the the country or, or across the world, uh, having only met me a couple of times and having me mess up a drum beat. So I was like, yeah, I just the less the less that I hear, the better, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, but yeah, I don't know, you know, it all worked out all right, you know. It did. It, as long as I can remember what order songs go in, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As long as no, and and as long as no, nah, nobody's uh, ceiling lights come crashing down on you while we're playing. And, uh, God, I still think about that. I was so scared. Like <laughs> that was because we were in such a nice house, and I was like, I were. broke something. Like. Gilly's gonna be mad at me. Like Sean's gonna send me home. I was like, for the rest of that set, I was mortified of what was gonna happen <laughs> afterwards. And then Gilly showed me that video, and it's like a, a light just fell. Well, I just <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky it didn't fall on my head. Fell on you. Yeah, good times. 
<laughs> good, good times. Thanks, Wayne, New Jersey. Definitely. And uh, I didn't even get a ticket that time we were in Wayne, New Jersey. So that's nice. awesome. Yeah. Yep. They, they knew better. They knew better that time because I was in, I was still in New York mode or I was about to be <laughs> in New York mode. Either way. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, like I was, I said before, you know, like we started, uh, we, we, we obviously could chat all night and, um, it, and I think we have actually, but, um, <clears throat> one thing that we, um, chatted with, chatted about a little bit, like in text that I wanted to bring up before is, um, you know, you've been talking to me a lot about, um, this obviously com complete departure, but, um, you've been talking to me a lot about how you've been seeing a therapist and, and you've been telling me a lot about how your therapist has helped you channel music into part of your therapy routines. And I think this, <clears throat> this has been like, you know, super interesting to me. And like, like I said before, I did, I did, I'm not just bringing this up out of the blue, you know, I would never do that to somebody, but, um, yeah. like, uh, talk about that a little bit because yeah, that, that is super interesting. And, and like, it's been awesome to hear how, you know, this thing that's such a big part of your life is actually like, we all know there's part of it that's feels very, very healing, but you know, you're getting like the practical applications of it as well. So mm -hmm. what's that been like? Yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting road to be on. Um, so just some background on that. I got diagnosed this year with post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which I've had for a very long time. Um, I think I first started experiencing it when I was a teenager, but um, I, di I didn't know that what has been happening with me is not normal and shouldn't be happening. Um, and I think that is important to be open about this kind of stuff is like, I should be able to talk to you about that. Like the same way that I'd be like, Oh yeah, like I, I broke my arm or, or I have a cold or something like it's an actual health problem. It's yeah. not just like, you know, it, it's not just like an emotion that went away. Like when I left puberty, like I'm, I'm 27 and like, it's still happening. It's, it's not going to go away unless I get it treated. And so I've been working with several doctors this year um, to treat that. I also got diagnosed with insomnia and some other stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the therapist that I'm working with um, has been really eye-opening in terms of how music has played a part in all of that um, because, uh, you know, the PTSD and everything comes from having a pretty uh, rough childhood and, uh, and trauma coming from several different sources. And, uh, and trying to work through that and kind of realizing that um, music has been a part of that for a long time. Like I would come home from school and just drum for hours. And, uh, and that was, that was like my escape. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't in danger when I was drumming, you know, I, I was, I was just enjoying myself and it, it was, it was kind of meditative in a way where like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just playing and I'm, I'm just feeling in the moment and just being one with with the sound, um, that I'm, that I'm trying to convey. I feel like drums is like a language to me where I can't, I can't express a lot of things with words very well, but I can when I play drums. And that's something that I really like about marked, um, that, you know, I, I kind of just sat down in your basement and, and we talked a little bit about it, but it was, it was kind of like 
just kind of freestyling and just playing, you know, whatever was on my mind that day. And that's how the record came out. Um, and, uh, so what, what we've been talking about in therapy is that, um, like tackling PTSD, there, there are ways to work through that and, and reprocess your memories, uh, to a way where you don't have these like nightmarish flashbacks all the time. And, um, being able to do that requires me to like be in a state of mind where I'm capable of, uh, of doing that. Um, because it's, it's very difficult and taxing work. Uh, it's, it's, it's not fun. It's exhausting, but being able to drum every day and process, um, like my emotions through that and, and to, you know, keep myself, um, you know, on an even keel by playing drums is incredibly important as part of that process. Because if I'm not, uh, in a place where I can be, uh, focused on what we're working on, then it's, it's not going to work. And, uh, and so drums is a huge part of that for me as, as well as gardening. Those are like two of the main things, um, that I do that's, uh, been really helpful for me over the years. And so to do that with the conscious notion that I'm doing it to take care of myself and I'm doing it because it makes me feel good and I'm doing it as, as, as part of my healing process has been huge for me. Uh, just like realizing and, and doing it with that intent, uh, makes a huge difference. Um, and, and then another, uh, thing that we talked about a little bit was, uh, like revisiting things from when I was younger, uh, in, in a way that would honor, uh, myself at a younger age and, and to, um, you know, kind, kind of attend to the needs of a, the younger self that still lives inside of you, uh, in ways that it couldn't be attended to at that time. So, uh, like for example, we, we were talking about uh, Jerome's dream the other day, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, the, the reunion is not canon, so I can just go back to listening to Presence in Peace without without having to think about a stupid Kickstarter." And uh, and I was like, I was thinking, I was like, I loved this record when I was a teenager. Like when nothing was okay, like Jerome's dream made me feel okay. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I just put the record on and just like thought about you know like fifteen year old me and just patting him on the head and being like you know. It's okay, buddy. You you just listen to your record and have fun. I'll protect you. And uh, and so it's it's been like a, a really big eye opener. Like I said, just to be able to consciously play drums as part of that process is just it makes me feel like a better drummer now, and uh, and and just playing with more passion too. And that was my conversation with Jason Wolpert. Thanks so much, Jason, for taking the time to chat with me and for always answering my texts about what's going on in my garden. Until next time, take care and do good things.